Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. I am Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Gian. Chad, I'm going to throw out a resume at you, and you tell me if you believe it or not. She okay. was a pizza delivery person. She became an orthopedic doctor. No way. She also won two Olympic gold medals in softball, and she also won the first ever NCAA tournament. Are you kidding me? Wait. She also almost became a politician. Unbelievable. Who, who is this person? She does not exist. This person does exist, Chad, and her name is Dot Richardson. Right now, she's the head coach softball at Liberty University. She's been here for seven years, and she has taken the program from one of the worst in the country all the way to, all the way up to the top 25. Well, I want to hear I want to hear this interview. Well, you don't have to wait very long because here it is. Coach Richardson, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast, agreeing to come come on. Um, we like to start our questions um, with our power question, and it's, uh, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? What it means to me to be a Christian coach, uh, it's kind of a, it is a power question because it's a powerful position of, of humility, really, because as a Christian coach, I think the job is basically to be able to show Christ in everything that we say and do, that we need to be the example of a Christ follower. And that is what our players are looking at, right? They're looking to see is do you walk the talk? Because we all know that actions speak louder than words and talk is cheap. So we can pull all of those out there. But it's uh, one thing is, is the Holy Spirit within us enough as Ephesians 3.20 saying that the power the Lord gives us as we accept him as our Lord and Savior is instantaneous, right? We're in the church age right now where the Holy Spirit is within us. So are we searching, right? And are we utilizing the strength of the, the Holy Spirit? Because as Christian coaches, we will be targeted by Satan's darts. It's going to happen. And I know everyone listening who's a Christian knows it's happening because nobody wants to see us fail right more than satan wants to um, of the world and that's why when we're in these positions we have to really take it seriously about representing christ yeah that's that's a good that's a good point i think it when you have that christian name on you people are always looking at you in order you know to point out if you're a hypocrite or not and you know see if you really do walk the talk i agree absolutely, absolutely. what is what is something that you do on a daily or weekly basis to continue to stay close to the Lord and help well, you I, pour into your students? I think as a lot of people, they'll quote Jeremiah 29, 11. And I like to look at 12 and 13 because, you know, God's promise to us, right? He wants us to prosper, but we need to seek him. So are we making it not just a daily moment of devotion, but in our entire lives, are we speaking to Christ, right? I mean, where are we making it? We're having a conversation with our creator. And I think that's what I try and do more than anything is be reminded of that. And here at Liberty University, it's easy to do because you can, you sense and you feel the Holy Spirit. Um, but the question is, are you, as a Christ follower, having him within you and feel that power to arm yourself with the armor of God right? In order to defend off um, the criticism that will come our way 
and in today's society, it is getting, it is getting more targeted and it is getting more intense. And it's exciting for me because you can see scripture befold, beholding and befolding um, in front of our eyes. I, I would have to agree. I think it's, uh, and sometimes it's funny people name one Bible verse and sometimes they forget to use the context of the verses around it, either before or after. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's a good point with that Jeremiah verse. So you mentioned you're at Liberty now. Um, you played at UCLA, you finished your career at UCLA. How, give us a little brief story of how you went from UCLA to now at Liberty. Well, at UCLA, we won the first NCAA championship ever offered to women there. That was in the season of 1982 when we beat Fresno State. So um, it's exciting to win that first national championship ever offered in women's sport. Uh, but the other is, um, you know, with my career, I was pre-med. And being pre-med, I had not really did it right. And that's why one of the life lessons you look at God is teaching us all the time is that remove all doubt and really go for it. And so for me, there was just so much negativity. Well, you can't be a doctor because no one in your family is a doctor. Oh, your whole life will be ruined. No guy's going to want to marry you because you're a brainiac. And, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so I secretively, you know, just went out to apply for medical schools. And one of the big things, oh, your life is over, right? So the Lord humbles us. And I wasn't accepted to medical school. And like I said, I'm not sure if I really did it right. Um, but uh, I got a job. And the only job I could get was delivering pizza. And the Lord is going to speak to you if you're seeking him. And what happened? I realized as I'm counting all of these tip money, right? It's about one in the morning. My mom's there. We're counting it all up. I realized a month into it that we can't stop time. Time's not going to stand still. And so what are we doing with our lives? What is the purpose of our lives? And the Lord just spoke, like, go for it. I mean, I'm just going to go for it. And then out of the blue, I get a phone call to be the assistant coach in softball at Adelphi University to pay for my master's. So I go to Adelphi University in Garden, Garden City, um, Long Island, and I fell in love with coaching. But I also applied to medical schools, a couple of coaching positions, um, was thinking about golfing. Um, someone had talked about sponsoring me for the golf school and uh, and I got accepted to a number of medical schools and I went for it. So I went to medical school, the University of Louisville in Kentucky. And then after I got my MD degree, I did my orthopedic residency program at USC in Southern California. And in the interim with all of that, I played for the United States of America in more Pan American and world championships. And the Olympics eluded me in 1992. We thought that softball would be in the Olympic games in Barcelona, but it was not. And so as I was turning my match list over in medical school to find out where it'd be for the next five years of my life was the very day we knew that softball would be in the Olympics That's for the first true. time in Olympic history in 1996 in Atlanta. So I just, it's so funny because I almost didn't want to let go of that paper, right? Um, to the receptionist because how that reminds us how we want to control our own lives and destiny, right? We're like, wait a minute, I want the Olympics. Wait a minute, but what, what, what? And so then when I released it, I released it to the Lord too. I said, God, your will be done, right? I'm here to serve you. And what happened? Next thing you know, I get to my orthopedic residency program at USC. I'm loving it. Uh, I secretively tried out for the Olympic team. I became the centerfold of Sports Illustrated, which orthopedics, a lot of guys, 
love to read it and our uh, chairman read it as well. He called me in the office and he gave me a year leave of absence. The whole board did from my, or my residency program to pursue my childhood dream of Olympic gold. And we went to Atlanta and we were able to capture the gold. Uh, then I never saw what happened next as I finished my residency. I did a sports medicine fellowship with Curlin Job, worked with the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Sparks, the Mighty Ducks, the Avengers, the Kings, and then the 2000 Olympics. I made that team. We won gold. Then Bob and I got married in 2001, and I started my practice. So you want me to keep going here? You know, how do I get here at Liberty? Uh, it's all a God thing, as everything is. Eventually, you get in your life, and I hope all of you listening are there now that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And we learn his lessons he wants to teach us if we remove spiritual blindness, right? And we just realize how is he working in our lives and those around us. And after I, I became an executive uh, director for a 300 acre sports health and education campus in Claremont, Florida with Southlake Hospital, it's called the National Training Center. And I ran that as administrator uh, for about 12 years. And next thing you know, um, I was told by this new CEO that I had a six-month termination notice. And for six months, I was to form a not-for-profit. And because of Obamacare, they wanted to take all the sport entities of the National Training Center and give it to not-for-profits. And I had raised $3 million, and I oversaw all the cost centers. And particularly, you know, 5510, which was softball, um, was very successful. And so my not-for-profit was taking that over and then I, immediately, you guys, and I hope that everyone listening does this, when things in your, in your life take a turn, right? Even struggles, as the book of James says, trials and tribulations find pure joy. Why? Because we realize it's not about our will, it's God's will, right? We got to seek him and give it to him. Well, as soon as the CEO told me the six-month termination notice, the first thing I did was, okay, God, what do you have in store? So my attorney got everything in line with the not-for-profit for the softball venue. But in the meantime, I was asked to run for mayor. And then I was asked to run for county commissioner. And when my husband was like, not mayor, everyone will know where we live, which they already did. But uh, county commissioner, he said, wow, okay. So I told the group that approached me that I'm considering it. And they said, well, Dot, if you like politics, we want to support you to run for U.S. Senate for the state of Florida in five years. So... Sometimes we're like, okay, God wants you in politics, right? I mean, like all the doors are opening. This is where he wants me. But what do we do? And what I did is give it to the Lord. Heavenly Father, how can I serve you more? Whatever it is, I'm all in. But as you say to pray, be very specific, right? I said, please make sure that there's no doubt. I know this is what you want me to do. Your will, not mine. Next morning at nine o'clock, out of the blue, I received a phone call from the athletic director at Liberty University saying their softball coach had retired and they're looking for a name in the game who could bring some instant credibility. And I said, where's Liberty University? And he said, we're in Lynchburg, Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains and we're the largest Christian university in the world. And gee, my jaw dropped because instantly, and God works this way, I remember the prayer I had the night before. I was reminded the athletic director said, we want to put Liberty softball on the map. I said, what does that mean to you? Being top ranked 25 in the nation consistently and Lord willing win World Series championships with an S. Financially, we'll give you the budget to get there. And we want to build a stadium and we'd like for you to design it. 
And I said, sir, I'm humbled by this opportunity, but you may not realize this, I have never had coached in college before. And he said, and I quote, we realize that, but we feel the Lord is bringing us to you. I got off the phone, called my husband, and he was like, this is a God thing, we got to do it, right? What are the odds of that, right? So we come to Liberty University, and it was very humbling. You know, it was like the softball field was like a rec field. Our offices were in a double-wide trailer. But we knew God wanted us here. So for everyone listening, it's like, how do you know? Number one, God has given each of us amazing gifts and opportunities. Like, he's given us talents, right? All different. We're all a part of his body, right? But the other thing is when you do his will, like, you feel this, he promises that you're going to feel this uh, peace that transcends all understanding, right? You're like, the field is a wreck field, double wide trailer, but we feel this where the Lord wanted us to be. So accepted the position. We walked into the double wide trailer and I smiled because it reminded me of when I first walked into the UCLA women's athletic department, which was in a trailer. And I said, wow, God, I sure hope you're foreshadowing what the future holds for Liberty softball. And that first week, I met with contractors and architects, and they said, coach, what do you want in the stadium? And you guys, they practically built it, you know, the way I designed it. Of course, I wanted more seating. I wanted a little bigger because, man, dream, you know, dream big, right, or go home. Um, but it was one of the top stadiums in the country, so blessed. We took, because of God, we... He's like in control. So coaches just give it to him. Give it to him. We went from 276 RPI out of 296. That means only 20 worst teams in the country. When I inherited the team, uh, the highest we've gotten so far is 22 in the country. And it's just God is moving. I mean, everything that's been happening at Liberty as a university, and you see it you know, in tennis as well. And you look at softball and other sports, but God is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, my next question would be about the culture that you instilled because you can't, you can't just go from 270 or 252 to 22 in the country with just talent. You got to have, you got to have a culture, you know, um, how, how is your coaching philosophy, philosophy different because you're a follower of Christ? Well, I wasn't sure if my philosophy was going to work, actually. You know, I didn't have any head coaching experience. But I coached the way that I wanted to be coached. The difference is that, you know, I have I've played at the top level. So can that way of coaching affect players that talent is not there yet, right? Um, but I made a commitment. I said, Lord, I will be the coach that you want me to be that honors you and all I say and do. And I thought, how can I learn from Jesus? What kind of coach would he be? And I try to do that. And I, yes, I definitely fall short of the glory of God, right? And sinful nature is there, but I always go back to him, right? And particularly with umpires, right? I'm like, okay. I pray before I go out and just say, okay, Lord, let me honor you. Um, I do not believe in cursing. Uh, I do not believe in lack of discipline, all of those things. However, I'm a player's coach. Uh, what does that mean? First and foremost, they need to know that you love them. And I tell them, I love you no matter what. 
I don't ever want to hear somebody say to their parents, I'm not playing because coach doesn't like me. If I didn't like you, you wouldn't be on the team. So let's be clear about that. But the number one thing is that God loves you. And just like the Lord, I can tell you that I love you unconditionally. Whether you're a starter or not, whether you're on scholarship or not, are we clear? Right? Yes. And they say, yes, crystal, right? We're clear. I said, but the other thing is don't ever lie to me. Be honest. There is nothing that will happen with you in your life that you can't come to me to talk to. It's not going to shock me. I've been around. It will never shock me. And I'm not here to judge you. As God said, he said, what? As you judge, you shall be judged. I'm not the judge. I'm not here to define what sin is. God has. My role is to help you reach your full potential in the academically, athletically, socially, and above all, spiritually. So to me, a true win, a championship culture, as an athlete who's been able to reach the top of the game, it's, it's not about, you know, home runs or strikeouts or wins or losses. It really is once in your players are bought in to play with a freedom, a sense of freedom, when they recognize that you don't earn God's love, right? It's grace that he's given you gifts and talents that you're pleasing him is strictly by you maximizing your attitude, your effort, right? And your commitment to be your best in everything you do. And if our talent is there, we'll win, right? It's simple. You will. And we make it so complicated, right? And then we bind our athletes up so much. They try and be perfect. And with women, they try and be perfect. I'm like, you're not going to be perfect. We might have moments of perfection and cherish those, but it's the journey, right? It's the effort that's put in and it's the drive to excel. That is what's going to catapult you to your maximum potential, right? And once when they're there, your best is good enough. Have you as coaches said your best is good enough? It may not be your best performance ever, ever, but if it's the best you have today, I love it, right? Yeah, that's, that's some good thoughts. Um, coaching women myself, I, I, I would have to agree. It's um, giving 100% what you have that day. Yeah. And knowing fully well that you're never going to achieve perfection. Um, as, as women, let me tell you, you know it. One, they listen to negative things of other people. They do. They're trying to please other people constantly, right? But if you say, focus on pleasing the Lord, that's the most important thing. They don't want to let their teammates down, right? So you ask the team, team, what will let you down? And what do they always say? Not giving your best, not trying hard, right? Yeah. You can control those things. It's not betting a thousand. Yeah, you can't control the outcome, but you can control your effort. And when I see a batter, I mean, gee, I would have to give a hit and run signal with nobody on base to get her to swing the bat. They're playing with fear. So as a coach, particularly as a Christian coach, and if not all of our you know, players are Christian, you don't have to be a Christian to go here, but you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. But the thing is, where are they at in their walk with Jesus? Do we know that as coaches? When I talk recruiting to travel ball coaches, they don't know that. Do we, 
as head coaches know where their faith lies. Are they so much into the world, right? And that's when I started a Bible study. You know, we talked about it going over the rapture and, and revelation. I haven't even gotten there yet. And we started at the beginning of school because I realized, wait a minute, something's missing. Before you can dive into the Bible, you've got to believe that God is real. Does he exist? Well, let's prove it. You gotta, you gotta know you have an adversary and Lucifer, right? Satan. He deceived a third of the angels, the fallen angels. And Revelation reveals not just the end of the world, what's gonna happen, and he, the eternal state will all be in eventually as believers and even non-believers where they'll be. But it talks about the spiritual realm, right? The spiritual battle from a fallen, rebellious creature to its creator. And I mean, you, we got to wake up about that, right? So it's been really fun to go, does God exist? Let's prove it. Uh, the theory of evolution debunked it. I mean, it can't be real. Science doesn't prove it. It goes against all science and laws of nature. It's ridiculous. Um, and then you look at, wait a minute, is the Bible inerrant, infallible, and the inspired word of God? How do we know that? And then we prove that, right? And it's been so awesome, but I had to attack those, like race. We have all of this going on about race. There's one race, people, and that's the human race. All of us are shades of brown. We are all related. Shades of brown. So for me, a little lighter, I'm recessive. Hello, I'm recessive genes. For those that are darker, dominant, right? So let's use science and be smart about things, right? And get to it. So that's a big thing I've been working with this team a lot about, realizing that, wow, we've got to tackle science, right? We've got to tackle true belief to be bold. And I challenge every coach that's listening, everyone listening, be bold in your faith if you can't seek the answers. I challenge you. Seek the truth. And when God said the truth will set you free, that's not about the physical word. The truth is him. So find it. Yeah. I, this is some good, some really good, uh, good points. I, I'm taking so many notes. Uh, I really <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, you, like you said before, you were you won the first NCAA softball tournament ever. You won the first Olympic Games ever and second. <laughs> um, so you've experienced a lot of athletic success. You became a doctor, so you've experienced academic success as well. Um, how would you define success for you? What does success mean to you? All right, let me tell you, okay, because we got sport people listening. Um, my junior year at UCLA, we won the first College World Series, right? And the NCAA championship. And I was so happy for our seniors because they went out number one. That's what you want, right? Well, the next year was my senior year. Well, we're going out number one. No doubt about it. We're going to repeat. We're the number one ranked team in the country. Everything was awesome. We go to Omaha, Nebraska. This is before the World Series was moved to Oklahoma City. So we're in Omaha, Nebraska. And the first game, I mean, gee, it was like, I was four for four, baby. I mean, another Olympian, a teammate of mine, Sheila Cornell, she had a grand slam home run. Everyone in the stands knew who was going to win. The biggest question was who would come in second. That night, we all go out to eat, and I'll never forget it. I had a milkshake that didn't really taste right. We all got food poisoning. Eight 
out of nine starters, right? My definition of success to this point is winning, right? Not coming in second, you know, the first loser, right? No, nope, no, nope, that like, that's the attitude. You're going to win. Well, we started playing the game and I mean, it's the first time in my life that I hit a double that I wish was a single. I get to second base. The athletic trainer comes out with a bucket and yes, threw up in the bucket. It was awful, but I'm at second base scoring position. Next batter gets a base hit. Somehow I managed to get home. I collapse into the arms of the on-deck batter bar booth. They took a picture of it in the Omaha sports, in a sports, sports section, front page. We had it all down in the dugout. You know, the freshmen had to hold the bucket, right? Holding the hair back is disgusting. But we're going to win. It's about winning, right? Oh, no. Fullerton pulls out. They start scoring all these runs. Coach takes the worst of us to go to the, see a doctor at the hotel. We all had food poisoning. I get a phone call from the coach. Are you ready to play tonight? I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did we win? Did we win? And we had lost six to one. And I said, you bet it's my senior year. So we go to play USC. Okay. And uh, the Gamecocks, we went 21 innings, but we won two to one. It was so disgusting after the game when we're all meeting in right field, they hosed down our dugout, <sighs> right? It was like disgusting. But the next day I'm like, we survived, you know, double elimination. We survived. We're going to win. Well, if you've ever had food poisoning, you know what the next day is like. We're dragging. So we played Texas A&M, tying run at second base, yours truly up to bat with two outs in the bottom of the seventh inning. And I get up and they intentionally walk me. So now I'm the winning run at first base. Next batter gets up, shoots a ball up the, the middle. Shortstop gets the ball, throws her out at first base. We lose. My senior year at UCLA is considered one of the greatest softball teams that UCLA has ever had. We came in third. But to answer your question, how do I define success? I didn't learn until my senior year in college. I've never been more proud of being on a team that I was that team because we never gave up. We never made excuses. We gave it everything we had. So to me, true success is utilizing the gifts that God has given you to be the best that you can be at that moment, no matter what the score, no matter what the finish. I bet, I bet a lot of the coaches there were uh, not very happy with the milkshake uh, outing. Or did the coaches take you to, the, to get milkshake? Oh, well, it's a part of our meal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we're softball players. I'm sure baseball players, like, you know, I think moderation is great. But, boy, we're not like triathletes where you got to watch every, you know, thing you eat or whatever. We're like, enjoy food, right? But, yeah, I definitely enjoy some food. Um, <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you you've you've been at liberty now for six years yeah seven, seven, yeah. seven years yeah so and from my research you've had one assistant coach that stayed with you this whole time Correct. right and um and another one you just hired since when your husband retired and went to be with fca but yeah. what do you look for in an assistant coach first and foremost um I think coaching staff should be family. 
you know, God number one, family two. And listen, this is a job, but boy, you should love your job, right? Love it. <laughs> so for me, I love to have a staff that's like family. I've known Coach Cass since she was eight years old, believe it or not, and the Lord brought us together. Um, so the second thing is their talent. What do they offer? Like the best leaders know their strengths and their weaknesses. They work to strengthen their weaknesses and to make their strengths stronger, but they surround themselves with great people. And you don't micromanage, right? I've, I've known coaches, they don't even let their assistant coaches say a word. I know coaches that have been jealous that players connect with their assistant coaches more than them. As I look at my role as the head coach is to make sure that I'm orchestrating my goals for the team, which I've prioritized are God's goals, to be able to let our kids play with freedom and surround them with the best knowledgeable and Christian coaches that I can. So when my husband retired, and he's an ordained minister, well, didn't start that way, um, but online, right? Took him three years, and he started FCA softball, but he realized it was time for him to leave, mainly because he realized I needed more out of his assistant coach to get to the World Series where we wanted to, because he'd always been a head coach, and he was older, so I needed to get a younger coach. And again, the Lord provides uh, Casey Fagan, she was Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Florida. She was a Gatorade Player of the Nation, you know, coming out of high school. She played two years at Florida, two years at Arkansas, and two years getting her master's at Auburn. Even though she had never coached before, I recognized the passion she has for the game, the knowledge that she has for the game, but the other big thing, you guys, is loyalty. It may not be fair, but the one thing I ask them is, I want you to be around a long time for me. Because in order to develop a dynasty, you have to be together, right? Like once you get to be a dynasty, then that's probably when your assistants are going to head coach, you know? But you have to have a consistency, right? And I said, are you sure you don't want to coach in a power five? You sure you want to be here? She says, coach, I want to be around more Christian people, and I want to be a part of a program where I can teach and make kids better. Here you go. So Coach Fagan has been around now for three years. Uh, coach John has been around, uh, I'd say, for about five. He's my volunteer coach, Christian Godly Man. Uh, he, his unit, he's the unit coaches for the outfield. He also knows pitching. Uh, coach Fagan knows pitching but she's the unit coach for the infield, the two of them for, you know, defense total. And then, um, you know, Coach uh, Cass is one of the best, if not the best, pitching coaches in the country. She is in the top three for sure. And the only reason she may not be considered one is because of her youth, right? How young she is, but she is phenomenal. Now, Coach Fagan is pitching too. So you guys are like, what? In softball? You have to have the power in the circle, right? You have to have pitching. Any team that goes regional, super regionals, or World Series has at least one ace. If you have two aces, hello, you're looking at College World Series, right? So the biggest thing right now is um, you got to recruit, and you got to recruit the right people, and you have to have a staff where you can look parents in the eyes and tell them the truth. 
we care about your daughter, we'll be there for your daughter, and it's more than just whether she's starting or not on the team. And I think that you have to have a staff that you trust, that is loyal, and they, uh, they're all on board with your philosophy. I'll tend to agree. I've been here now at Liberty for eight years. We're just starting our ninth year. And I would agree. I think if you want some type of consistent improvement, you've got to be consistent with everything that you do and continue to get better little by little. I think there's no, uh, there's a quote that says, um, progress happens too slow for people to notice and failures happen too fast for people to ignore, you know? Yeah, and, and I think uh, I always keep that in the back of my mind that sometimes you do want to take it from 272 in the country to top 20 in one year, you know, yeah. but that's, and maybe they'll make the news if it happens once in a lifetime, but that's not how progress works. Um, my and the thing too with assistant coaches, um, you know, you have to empower them too. You know, like I trust them implicitly. They have earned that trust, but I even not even earning it. It's like they are entitled to it. And then if they don't, you know, if they don't earn it, right. You see that, wait a minute, it's not jiving. That's when you need to search for another one. You know what I mean? But I've been very blessed with that. Um, and I think they enjoy what they're doing because I don't order them what to do and micromanage what they do. They have a sense of freedom. And, uh, you know, Coach Kasman offered head coaching jobs and, you know, pitching, you know, co you know pitching, coaching, uh, you know, for power fives and stuff. And then I told her, I said, you know, we want to do something that no one has been able to do, right, is to be able to win World Series from one of the largest recognized colleges, Christian coaches in the uh, coaching universe, sorry, Christian universities in the world, um, when everyone thinks it's impossible, right? Nobody thinks it's impossible. We talked about World Series championships. And now look where we are. And we have a long way to go. But boy, we're excited about it. Um, I have one more question. Do you have some time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All I'm, right. I'm yours. <laughs> um, what books or podcasts that you've read recently or a long time ago that you would um, recommend to a younger Christian coach who may be just starting a career in coaching and need some guidance on how to use his or her faith to impact the players and the staff around them? Well, the Bible's number one. I mean, <laughs> their books, Learning from Jesus, right? Um, you know, the other thing you can look at, uh, you know, the FCA has got a really a lot of strong books, you know, with the John Wooden uh, books as well, taking, you know, faith into, you know, coaching. Um, your players, uh, you know, that's one thing I need to strengthen is really to be able to dive into more, but I realize I'm more of an audi audi audible learner, you know. Um, I just let, you know, I have this experience and I definitely uh, realized that in coaching, I needed to learn more. So what I did is I went to classes to become a four-star coach. I'm one class shy. And it's funny when you're in a class with travel ball coaches and other coaches, they look and see you as an Olympian sitting there. And, but I think as a coach, you can never stop learning. I love video, looking at video. We'll watch baseball as well and see some of the top hitters and, and utilize that in regards to uh, teaching and bringing that to the athlete. 
offense is a big move right now. You got to have pitching, but you got to score runs too. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's it's been great to be able to utilize the resources that are out there, like you talked about podcasts and all of that. And you look at Twitter, Instagram, John Gordon, I love his stuff. You know, he's been great. We've been so blessed here. You know, my big thing, G, is the Enneagram. Yeah. For those that don't know, any Enneagram, nine Enneagram personality, it's helped me a lot because I'm a seven, you know, and so wing eight. And so for me, uh, I didn't really know, like, how do I teach someone who's a one, right? Whose personality is a three, whose personality is a five or a six or a nine. And that's helped me a lot. And that was a good book, you know, reading the Enneagram because it is coming from a spiritual, um, you know, realm, you know, with uh, just how did God plan all of us to have different personalities? And I had a player say to me once, you know, she says, well, you know, you got to treat everyone the same. And I'm like, well, not everyone's the same. I love all of you the same, right? You can't show favoritism, but how can I reach this player might be different than how I can reach that player. And, you know, with a one, all you have to do is say one positive thing and they're going to fly right with it. A three, you can, when they're in the mood of, you know, the mode of working, you don't disrupt them, right? You don't, you tell them what you want, then you let them go. And if they're not doing, then wait till they're done with the task and then you address it. But I can go six live in fear, right? And Jesus said, right? The Bible's got do not fear 365 times in the Bible. That's not a coincidence that there are 365 days of the year, right? So you have to overcome doubt and overcome fear. And one of them will start first with a coach believing in them. But you have got, as a great coach, a successful coach, you have got to let that individual be able to inspire her or himself, right? They, the motivation has to come from within. They've got to believe within. Because when you're standing out there, whether it's on a court or on the diamond, it's them, it's not you. And that's one thing with ego and pride. You got to let it go, people, right? It's got to be when they compete, they're, the show is on, baby. And let the show give you input as a feedback, as a coach, what more you need to work on. Don't think it's a reflection of you on the field, right? And I tell parents the same thing. Let the athlete express the gifts God's been given and you evaluate how can I help them do it more freely. Thank you so much. No, this, uh, this conversation has been incredible. I've taken so many notes. I can't wait to share them with my team as well. Um, I, we like to finish the podcast with asking you, how can we be praying for you? One, obviously pray for the entire world and society, what's happening right now, knowing that just pray that Christians become so bold to be able to share signs of the times and uh, explaining the rapture and what's going to happen in tribulation period. Um, but the other thing is, is uh, pray for our university as there's a change in leadership. Pray for our program as well and all of our programs. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a flame. Uh, with softball, just, you know, I just, just pray that Christ is first in all of their lives because I have never seen a generation as targeted by Satan as this one. From sexual immorality 
you know, the passing of trying to legalize pedophilia, and that was voted on in California and passed, to sex trafficking, to homosexuality becoming a norm, redefining marriage, to heterosexual relationship out of marriage. Uh, I can go on and on to just the battles they're facing with mental health and anxiety, uh, you know, to the technology, you know, that can reach them. I mean, it's just, Satan knows his time is coming to an end and boy, he's trying to take everyone down with him. And I just pray for all of us to be protected with the armor of God, to be able to be able to keep our soul with him. Well, that's great. Let me pray for you and then we'll, we'll finish it up. Thank you. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this conversation, the opportunity to hear from Coach Richardson. Um, like to lift up her team, the athletics program at Liberty um, and, and the leader, leadership at Liberty as they're getting a new president. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the people making decisions, that they will seek your guidance first and foremost. And I pray for the people under them that they'll continue to pray for the leadership, continue to seek you, put you first in their lives as well so that they know what, what, their, what God's desire for their lives are. And um, Lord, I pray that you, you continue to work in the world, make, make the Christians in, in, uh, bold enough to, to speak your truth and not, not be shy about it. Lord, uh, thank you again for Coach Richardson and um, help us to glorify you and honor you in everything we do. I pray. Amen. Amen. I had a blast talking to Dot Richardson. Chad, what did you take away from it? Wow, she was so good. Uh, she was on fire and um, thankful to hear, hear from such an awesome coach that loves the Lord. Um, but my biggest takeaway was just her prayer for her to pray one night, uh, God, do you want me to do this? And the very next day for the AD from Liberty to give her a call and uh, just how, how clear it was for her that this is where God was leading her. And um, I've seen, you know, sometimes it's a little a little more fuzzy, a little more difficult to discern. But uh, for this one, God was clearly calling her to liberty. What about I, you? What was your takeaway? I, I really liked when she defined her uh, definition of success, which is, yeah. are you, it's simple. Just are you using God's gifts? And if you are, then you're, you're, you're being successful in the eyes of the I Lord. Love the, I love the simplicity of that. Yeah, I think that that can be translated us as coaches talking to our players as well. You know, are you... Are you using the, the gifts that God give you? And if you are, great, keep doing it. And if you're not, then maybe you need to reassess your life and, and see where you can change. For um, sure. But Chad, that was a great conversation. I can't wait to keep having those. And remember, coaches, the mission field is right where you're at. We'll see you next week. <laughs>